Hey, this is Cullen Bunn, the writer of Harrow County, and you're listening to Thinking Outside the Long Box. at San Diego Comic-Con, and I am talking to Richard Fairgray, uh, the creator, artist, and writer of Four Color Heroes. I'm so intrigued by this book. I want you to tell me all about it. Okay, uh, so Four Color Heroes is a coming-of-age story about two boys who fall in love through comic books. Basically, Oscar and Patrick are from wildly different backgrounds. Oscar is from a very religious home and isn't allowed to even look at comics or a lot of media. And Patrick sees a loophole and says, well, what if I describe it to you? And so throughout the book... Patrick describes the comics, and Oscar imagines them. So throughout, we never actually see the real comic books. We only ever see Oscar's kind of naive imaginings of them. And it means that as their lives pull them apart, every month they have this reason to come back together as a new issue comes out. I was really intrigued by the love story part of this. I'm, I'm a hopeless romantic, even though it didn't work out for me in real life. I still love the idea of I love. I mean, you're not dead yet. Like, you have potential. It could happen. I'm just yeah. very jaded. There are like 100,000 people here right now. I'm single. Um, <laughs> That's how you do it. That's, yeah. <laughs> it might work. I don't know. Hey, San this Diego is going on YouTube trapped. too, right? So, um, uh, it, what intrigues me also is this is a period piece because it takes place in New Zealand before the. Um, it's the, before the passing of the Civil Union Act right, in New right. Zealand, which was sort of like a, a stepping stone toward gay marriage. I grew up in New Zealand. I lived there for thirty years, uh, and so it, it, it felt like if I was going to do something like so deeply personal and such a small story, setting it in that environment just made sense. And I like the idea that like when people look back historically on that moment or on any moment that is like a watershed moment for like human rights you never kind of get to focus on anything other than the big picture and i really wanted to find like who are two people who are going to be in like incredibly affected by this and the change that happens because of it but who won't know it at the time and just seeing what their lives are like like in in that minute Mm -hmm. is this kind of like a write what you know was this like a personal story part of it um a little bit like i you know I, i grew up as a queer kid in new zealand but I I was never I was never in the situation that either of these two are in. I was never not out. Um, like I was I, I'm I'm bisexual, so I always just kind of like operated like a dragnet, collecting what I could. Why limit yourself? Exactly, exactly. Um, it's just it's just greed on my part. <laughs> but you know, I, I knew a lot of people who were going through stuff like this a lot, and I know that when we look back at the past, it's very easy to think of it as either all terrible or all wonderful. And I think I'm, I wanted to focus on, like, that complicated point where some people were able to be out in high school, some people weren't. Some people were able to play the role of being, like, the stereotypical, the one gay kid that everyone knew, as long as they never said it out loud. And I don't want that kind of transitional point to be forgotten. Mm-hmm. I, I know very little about New Zealand, you know, basically Peter Jackson stuff, bonus yeah. features. Um, uh, they're, they're accurate, actually. Really? When I saw King Kong... The theater scene where he escapes is set in uh, the theater where I was watching the movie. And across the street from it is a Wendy's that I used to go to a lot. And so when he smashes the building across the street, I I was like so out of the reality. I was like, oh, no, now I can't go to Wendy's after this. (laughs) Wendy's was still there. I still got to go there. It was good. That's awesome. Had a baked potato. What what is... um Explain the differences between like the acceptance of the LGBT community there uh, versus here. Because I know here we're having a lot of trouble with certain I mean, people yeah, yeah. and they're trying to turn back oh, the clock. Oh, you mean Republicans? Yes. Yes, I've heard of uh, them. But they're trying to turn um, back the clock. And Yeah, my mother told me Republicans weren't real, but it turns out they're terrible and they're everywhere. The boogeyman does exist. Um, uh, so what's yeah. it like there versus here? 
you know, New Zealand is a, is a very complicated place because we are very progressive in many ways and very backward in other ways. And it's, I think, I kind of think it's very similar to the the general plight of the LGBTQ, LGBT community is that, like, we quite often will just accept half measures and say that it's good enough. I actually, I now live, I jump between uh, Los Angeles and my place up in Canada. And Canada has a similar vibe where, like, as long as we're not as bad as America, we can skate by. Yeah. And it's you know, people always make the um, comparison of, like, you know, what's it like living above a meth lab? And, yes, okay, it's like living above a meth lab, but then <laughs> I've lived above a meth lab, and what you do is you don't bother replacing your curtains because they're just going to get ruined again. Right. And so you kind of let a lot of stuff um, just continue to be bad because it's not quite as bad as the thing next door. And I think that, like, accepting the civil union bill instead of fighting harder for gay marriage, which a lot of people in the queer community were fine to do, is is the equivalent to that. I was back in New Zealand recently, and, like, I don't have been gone for six years, and it felt like infinite change had taken place. Um, but, you know, if I'd been there, maybe I wouldn't have noticed it. I, I love that this book um, it has to do with younger people in, in the community. While creating it and writing it, uh, which I want to talk about more also, but uh, do you think if you had this kind of thing at that age, would it have been more helpful in your life? Or, or do you think it will impact the youths that read it about acceptance? Yeah, I do. I, I think that, like, I always write my books from the perspective of, like, what's a book that I wish I had? Most of my books now are for adults, and I write books about the subjects that I'm interested in and being a big sloppy dirtbag as an adult. But, like, when I was a kid, there was, like, we had very little representation, especially of gay stuff. We had, like, the original version of Queer Eye, which was so hilarious because they were gay, you see. (laughs) And we had, like, sitcoms that occasionally could have some men kissing, but, like, not really. And... And, like, all of the versions of gay life that I saw portrayed in media were a version of life that I didn't want. Like, I don't enjoy pride flags and, you know, having brunch. I enjoy being an absolute dirtbag. I enjoy being a gross mess of a person. I mean, I just... You, when you arrived, I was just showing Barbara that I forgot to bring a toothbrush to this convention and just had to <laughs> brush my teeth in the convention bathroom. That's not a great experience. That like, was you. Yeah, because you're really overwhelmed by the smells in there, and then you're really just putting something deep in them gums. But, you know, like, that that version of gay life was never shown anywhere. And this the version I'm showing here is not that. It's not my version of life. But it's certainly not the, hey, I'm here and I'm gay, and that's super cool, and everyone's fine with it. It is a, some people are tolerant of it, some people hate it, some people are fighting against it, and... Only the people who are really in it know how they want to move forward. And I want to create something that says to people, you get to choose how you present yourself and you get to choose how you experience this part of your culture. So, yeah, I, I hope that this book can can do that for someone. Yeah, diversity is important. Uh, we're very different people because I love brunch, mm-hmm. but that's mostly because I can't wake up early. So I okay. kind of combine okay. the two. Yeah. It's more of breakfast, but a late breakfast. Okay. And I want to talk about this. You uh, created it. You're writing it. You did the artwork. That's so much work. Uh, what made you want to do it all yourself? Oh, I do everything. Always. Like, every time, I always do everything. I did, I've did. i been writing and drawing comics for 32 years at this point. And when I approached Fanbase with this idea, I said to them, Look, you know, I'm working in a pretty cartoony style these days. If I do this book, are you fine with me continuing with that? And they were very okay with that. They were like, do it exactly how you see it working best. I got 10 pages in, and I was like, oh, this is not going to work in this style. 
what about if instead of taking two and a half months to do it, I spend a year on it and I'll do the most densely detailed pseudo-realistic style I possibly can, learn a whole new method of coloring and become like completely obsessed with the production of this book. And I think that people create their best work when they are like so in the moment and in the zone for the creation. I, I love nothing more than like only living the life of my characters. Could you talk a little bit uh, more about the romance, like story structure, without giving too much away? Does it like follow like a romantic comedy story structure, or is it like a unique structure? I think it's a pretty unique structure. It's it's about um, it's about really the friendship developing, and neither of them even having the language for realizing it's a romance. Uh, I think the word "gay" is said once in the entire book, and it's by someone else as a joke about how Jesus turned him gay. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a march against the civil union bill, and he runs in and pretends that he's been corrupted by Jesus to become gay in front of a group of very oppressive uh, conservative Christians. But like these two boys are like they're always struggling to find their way back together. So the story, you know, it, every time we see them, it's been another month because another new issue of this book has come out, and it's like they've become the one solid point with each other. And outside of that moment when they talk about the comics, they don't get to see each other. And it's about focusing on how important those moments become to them and how much they come to rely on them. I think it's a little bit like if you think back to like the first year of COVID when everyone was like, let's do a weekly board game night on Zoom or whatever. And suddenly it became the most important thing to you, even though the rest of your life was so much bigger outside of it. And I think like we all, we all really like hold on to these little things. And for them, the ritual of the comic book is what does that. You know, they, they, they don't really get very far. They slowly learn stuff about themselves. They slowly learn stuff about each other. And they realize, like, who they... They don't even know who they want to be in the world by the end of it. But they know they don't want to be where they were at the beginning. Um, so it's, it's, not, it's not a happy ending. It's not a, it's not a sad ending. It's just a very open ending. Okay. And it, the story does have an ending. Is yes. It's not a continuing? Yeah. No, no. Okay. Very good. I like that. So... Wow. Okay. Um, I, I really want to read it now. <laughs> Now, I understand there's a bilingual edition coming out? Yeah, so because it's set in New Zealand, um, the uh, Te Reo Māori is the other uh, official language of New Zealand, um, or one of the others. I think sign language is also one. But um, I wanted to put it out in both languages uh, because, you know, I, I, I grew up there. I, I started comics there. I, you know, did a lot of stuff there. I want to be connected to that place, and I want to make this book as available to as many people as possible. And, yeah, it just kind of seemed like a, a no-brainer to, to, to put that out. So in September, that'll be coming out. Uh, digital only, unfortunately, just because of, like, the enormity of shipping costs these days. Uh, but we're hoping that later on there can be some kind of bilingual full edition of both versions in it in, in a print form. I learned a little bit about that watching Survivor uh, New Zealand. I don't know if you saw that. We it's did a Survivor? Good. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty good. you gotta, you got to go on the internets to find it Okay. they don't show it over here. Well, we had one called Treasure Island before Survivor that was really terrible, but it was won by a guy named Horse. Horse. Mm. Okay. I like it. So uh, where can people get this? Um, well, they can get it from us here in small press at Comic-Con. Uh, probably this will go out after that as possible. But fourcolorheroes.com, for the, you know, the word for spell it, F-O-U-R, colorheroes.com, or fanbasepress.com, or wherever I am, I'm going to have copies for sale. And yeah, but for, fourcolorheroes.com or fanbasepress.com will be the easiest places. Okay, Richard Farragrave, thanks for joining us on Thinking Outside the Long Box. Hashtag T-O-T-L-B. I'm Albie. We're at San Diego Comic-Con. This was Richard. This is Albie. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Thinking Outside the Long Box. Make 
sure to join us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, and YouTube for behind-the-scenes information and more content! Thinking Outside the Long Box is a Baron Space production! Ha <laughs> ha